Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Welcome to Drafting the Circus. My name is Frank Santorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we plow through all the racing news of the week. Before we get started, let me introduce you to the panel I have assembled tonight. With me in this studio, I have Mr. Gray Warren from Richard Childress Racing, Seth Eggert from Motorsports Tribune, Richard Uden, race engineer, and Joey Barnes, writer for IndyCar.com and managing editor at Motorsports Tribune. Gentlemen, how is everybody tonight? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you. All right, my guys. Thanks for coming on tonight. Um, Great weekend of racing. Um, Kevin Harvick, back-to-back. Somebody called that on the show. Forget who that was. Oh, it was me. Um, but, uh, again, the Ford cars just looking strong, looking strong this year after they, uh, all their whining and crying about having nothing new. Um, Gray, what, what do you make of these Ford cars and this domination? And we're heading to Phoenix, which is, uh, Kevin Harvick's personal playground. Well, you know, the, the Ford car ended last year running pretty, running pretty well too. And, and of course I think they finished in the top 10, most of the races that they, they ran last year. So, not surprised that the full car is doing well. Uh, you know, after all the belly aching that we heard in the off season about Ford being at a disadvantage and, and going to have to run the same body that they've had for the last two years, one more year before they get an upgrade, it, it is a little bit of surprise. But you can believe that the Ford Ford camp went to work after last season and. Uh, and worked on things to get better. And, and like I alluded to last week, you know, we've, we've, we've all got our theories about what, what goes on. And I think, too, that part of the part or maybe some of their uh, resurgent, resurgence is, is because of the new, uh, new rules enforced on the body with the, uh, with, with the oncoming of the optical measuring system. I think that's kind of leveled the playing field a little bit and taken away some of the some of the edge that the uh, Toyota and Chevrolet teams were, were working in 
last year and it's kind of brought you know kind of brought the field back together so that that's just a theory i you know i'm not saying that that that's it but uh that that's one difference and you know when you compare it last season to this season but wow i mean he he dominated it uh at, at Vegas, like much like he did at, uh, at Atlanta the week before, he uh, had the best ten lap average and the best twenty lap average, and you know uh, at both racetracks, and he just he just you know destroyed the field essentially uh, there the last two weeks. And the, again, the rest of the Ford camp ran pretty good and, and strong. Uh, strong runs by Keselowski, uh, strong runs by by uh, Blaney. Uh, also, again, uh, and, and other members of the Ford camp ran well, too. And then, like you just said, uh, we're going to Phoenix next weekend, which has been his personal playground for the last several years. He's got eight wins there. So, uh, yeah, things are looking up for a for big, I mean, a rousing start for the Ford car, you know, in the 2018 season. It, though, it, it's interesting, Greg, you mentioned the uh, the Hawkeye system there, cause I think that probably does have quite a big impact on on what you're seeing from this Ford cars this year. At the end of the day, they've got a stable platform. They know what they're working from, and they can correlate the Hawkeye system to the old cage system far better than the Chevy teams can anyway, because it's a completely different body for them. Toyota are obviously in a similar situation, but again, probably don't have the same depth of knowledge and resource that the, the Ford teams do. So I think the fact they've got that continuation of the body and the change of the testing methods means that, as I say, they've got a reference and a datum point which they can refer back to. So, obviously, the areas that they can bend the rules, should we say, um, are still the same areas, but they have a better understanding of how they can do that with the current bodywork compared to uh, compared to previous years. And, and basically, I think, too, that that's some degree maybe what's what's going on with with their recent resurgence and we've all we've always known that the ford engine the ford engine you know was never a problem never an issue the the yates roush yates engines make good power have always made good power very reliable very durable uh you know so they've just got their uh they've got their act together i think we'll see going forward uh, you know if, if these first few races uh or any indication, I think we'll see uh, see the other Ford teams. We'll see good runs with uh, with Keselowski and Logano, and of course Blaney's been at the front, uh, been near the front at uh, at every race he's run in so far this year. So yeah, and and, and the Menard team, uh, the Wood Brothers team, uh, they've they've had some good uh, some good runs as well. So uh, yeah, I mean things are looking up. Uh, Chevrolet right now, their standard bearer is uh, is Kyle Larson. Uh, he's been about the only one that has that has run well in in, in all the races. Um, the uh, the other Chevy teams have uh, have have suffered some terrible luck. Jimmy Johnson, for one, he he is he rallied a little bit, got off to a really bad start at Vegas, and was able to rally uh, late in the race and ended up with a tenth place finish, I believe. But uh, really, you know, uh, if, if, if you can look at that, that may be something to build a little momentum for, for, for Jimmy going forward because that's, uh, that's probably the, one, of the, one of the better runs they've had in, in quite some time. Um, great. You obviously have sort of quite close access to this. But obviously, the, you know, the Chevy teams are struggling a little bit this year with the, you know, the new bodywork. Everybody expected them to 
excuse me, catch up with Toyota and, and be, be pushing forward. And if anything, they've sort of dropped behind both the Ford uh, and Toyota manufacturer teams. Do you think that is a symptom of the way that Chevrolet may be spreading themselves a little bit too thin, obviously with the two engine manufacturers, with Hendrick and Childress, compared to obviously the Ford and the Toyotas, who their engines are pretty much sort of an independent body from the rest of the other teams. There's, there's, you know, they are struggling, and it's not it's a coincidence they're all struggling. I mean, Larson's up there and Chase Elliott's been up there the last few weeks, but it certainly hasn't been as dominant as I think those teams hoped with the new body kit. No, and, and I think, you know, it showed promise at the beginning of the year because uh, when when all the teams went out, what well, I'll say all the teams, the teams that, that tested at uh, Las Vegas preseason testing the end of mm-hmm. January, there was one uh, there was one car from each organization that was allowed to go. Chevrolet were, were the fastest cars at Vegas uh, yeah. with, with uh, Larson and Newman uh, being the fastest. But one, I'd go back to one thing that Larson said after the Vegas test, and they were asking him, you know, of course, this, this Camaro, uh, this new Camaro in the Cup Series was much touted as an improvement over, over the uh, Chevy SS going forward. And Larson seemed to, to say that he didn't really feel any difference in the car, you know, where he felt an advantage over last year, that it was, it was almost like they were holding serve. Uh, so I don't know, uh, I don't think the engines are a problem, uh, you know, both Hendrick and ECR engines, both well-respected, uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's, like, I think basically that it's going to take some more development time, uh, in the wind tunnel for the Chevy teams to kind of, to, to, to come back and do it, I think it, I think Daytona, you know, you really you can throw out Daytona the, the plate tracks, um, you know that that's a different animal. But I think the two races that we've seen on the downforce tracks, Atlanta and Vegas, I think we're just gonna. I think the Chevy, Chevy teams are gonna have to go back and do and just continue to work on developing that car uh, to 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 uh, to get somewhat in the ballpark or to catch up with. Uh, with uh, the other ones, I think I think we've seen good speed out of Larson and and Chase Elliott. They've been the standard bearers for for, for Chevrolet. But I do you they, sorry? But do you not think that with the Toyota setup, I know Toyota have their TRD group, which does the, the majority of the aero development work for Joe Gibbs and and Furniture Row as a, as a sort of a, a knock on there within that group. Um, Obviously, Ford have got, um, you know, Stuart House and Penske is probably their two main um, camps. But I think, again, they they work very closely together. Do you not think there's the potential of a little bit of, how should we say, conflict of interest between RCR and Hendrick being the two main Chevy teams? You know, there's that, well, yeah, we want to develop a body together, but we're not going to tell them everything because... You, you, you know, never... them to get bits of information. We, you know, and vice versa. I, I remember that um, you know each of the main Chevy manufacturers was responsible for, for providing you know a super speedway car to to develop the body in the wind tunnel, and another organisation did an intermediate body. But again, they probably won't be the latest spec body, you know, because again they don't want to show away, you know, show off all their you know latest and greatest ideas. I wonder if that's a uh, no, an issue. 
it, it could be. I do know that I do know that that uh, Ganassi and ECR and Hendrick and Hendrick are working on several projects together. Uh, that's been going on since since late last year. Uh, some of the radiator stuff uh, uh, and things like that. I do know that that there's several projects going on that that they're collaborating on. I don't know how extensive that it is in other areas. But, yeah, you know, I could see what you're talking about, probably a little holding back from information. But I think, too, that's going to – you're going to see a little bit of that, I would think, in the Ford camp, too. Yeah. Because, obviously, Penske wants to wants to, to, to better uh, – to be the better over uh, Stuart Haas and, and vice versa. And But I think, do you, you know, with their agreement with Ford, they are going to share some, some stuff. Toyota is pretty much in a unique situation because, sure. uh, you know, they've just got Gibbs plus one. Yeah. And and I think, too, like I've said all along, uh, the 78 group uh, is a pretty sharp bunch of, bunch of guys. And we, oh, we, yeah. we, we saw that when, when uh, the 78 was was part of our organization at, at the RCR. That, that you know, w- was not a one-way street of information coming out of RCR to, to, to the Furniture Road Group. It was actually, that, that was a two-way street, and, and RCR benefited uh, greatly from their association with the 78 during that. And I'm, and I'm sure the, uh, the Gibbs cars uh, benefited from their association with, with Furniture Road last year. Uh, that's another topic too. The Toyotas have not been have not been exactly setting the world on fire these uh, these these first two uh, downforce races too. Uh, the seventy eight has shown speed. He's had to come from the back, you know, in, in in two of these races and has has cut through the field pretty good. But he hasn't had the ability to get up front and race with with the four car or, or overtake the four car. Uh, they're not far off. But uh, but they're still behind, and of course the uh, the eighteen has had has had has run pretty good, but the you know, the rest of the the rest of the Joe Gibbs uh, team has not uh, not performed so. Denny Hamlin uh, hasn't been spectacular, nor has uh, Suarez or uh, or Eric Jones. So I think um, everybody's maybe caught off a l- little bit off guard by by Ford's dominance so far, and they're going to have to. To work to close the gap, and some uh, notes on Harvick. Uh, this past weekend, it was his 100th career victory across NASCAR's top three series, which puts him fourth on the all-time win list for the three national series combined. Richard Petty and David Pearson obviously being on top. You have Kyle Busch and now Harvick. And also, Harvick has never won three races in a row, and we're going to his personal playground, Phoenix. And that he could, uh, you know, he's going to be tough. And I tell you, actually, uh, he could be, you know, if he comes out of Phoenix uh, with a win and gets three in a row, he's going to be a serious threat to win four in a row because he runs well at California, too, and, and, is, a, and is a former winner. At Fontana, so uh, yeah, I mean uh, they have uh, they've they've laid the gauntlet down so far, you know, for uh, uh, for these first few races, and everybody's uh, you know riding in their wake. Yeah, so let let me ask you guys this real quick. So I mean, we've come off of uh, Atlanta and Vegas, which are two very similar tracks. Um, we we 
already had Daytona out there, which is a different animal all of itself. Play races, you know, we always put them to the side. But do you feel like the um, going into Phoenix and then over to Fontana uh, that are two very different tracks from one another and very different from Atlanta and Vegas that uh, uh, the four domination will kind of continue? Or, or do you think we're going to maybe get a better idea of what the rest of the season is going to look like? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like here, so. Well, we could, we could, we could, you know, we characterize Phoenix as somewhat of a short track because it's uh, it's one mile in length and and is and is flat like like a lot of the short tracks. So we're looking again, we're looking at a different style of racetrack. Um, I think you know we'll have to just kind of look and see if the four car goes out there and runs like he has in the past. We'll look at it as okay, that's the four team. But if you know if we have uh, uh, the majority of the top ten that races in are Ford cars. Then basically, we can start looking at a at, at, at a Ford uh, uh, juggernaut if you, if you want. And then, of course, you'd be you back that up at California. But you know, we get, we look at California when we go to California. The team that's been dominant on the two mile tracks, Michigan and California, for the last several years has been Kyle Larson. Uh, right in, won, in the Chevrolet, yeah, in a Chevrolet. That team has found something that 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 works well for them at those tracks. So, you know, we're looking at the, the next two weeks being two totally different types of racetracks. So we'll uh, we'll go in and see if uh, see see if the trends that we've seen in the first two if they continue or we we, or we see something a little bit different uh, come out of those. All right. So now now Seth, uh, you're our resident uh, statistician and uh, keeper of the Xfinity and truck <laughs> news. So uh, I want you to just really briefly, uh, let, let's talk about the, uh, speaking of Kyle Larson, let's talk about the Xfinity race where Larson had a great run there and um, fill us in on the truck race as well. Uh, before we move on, uh, we've got a couple of other great topics to discuss tonight. Well, Larson pretty much dominated the Xfinity race. It came down to a battle between himself and fellow uh, dirt racer Christopher Bell and they had a pretty intense battle at times but Larson just flat out ran away with it. Uh, in the truck race it was a battle between Kyle Busch and Brett Moffitt and it looked like it was going to be a good battle except the lap traffic unfortunately got in the way. Uh, Michelle Disdier and Norm Benning both uh, forced Moffitt into Hard positions to actually run. Uh, Dissier made contact with him. 
Benning basically ran him up into the wall, giving Kyle Busch the uh, the win on the last restart. And it was his 50th career truck series win, playing him one marker behind Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday. Fantastic stuff there. So, And speaking of Hall of Famers, the 20 nominees for the NASCAR Hall of Fame have now been announced. Correct? Correct. Correct. So... We can, let, let's have a discussion about those Hall of Famers. And, Seth, you've got the list. You want to, you want to run them down right quick, very briefly? Uh, we have Davey Allison, Dee Baker, Red Farmer, Ray Fox, new this year, Harry Gant, uh, Joe Gibbs, Jeff Gordon's on it for the first time, John Holman's on it for the first time. We have Harry Hyde, Alan Kowicki, Bobby Labonte, Herschel McGriff, Ralph Moody for the first time. Roger Penske, Larry Phillips, Jack Roush, Ricky Rudd, Kirk Shelmerdine for the first time, Mike Stefanik, and Waddell Wilson. Okay, now, Joey Barnes, since you've been kind of quiet there, writing a Formula One story in your off time, um, (laughs) as you look down this list of uh, Hall of Fame nominees, you know, five are going to make it in. Uh, what are the names on there that just stand out to you? And we'll go around the table and everybody have a little little, little shot at the uh, Hall of Famers. But, Joey, I want to uh, start well, with you because you've been quiet. I guess first and foremost, uh, I'm not a fan of first ballots necessarily, considering all the historical significance of guys like Davey Allison and Buddy Baker. But Jeff Gordon definitely deserves the nod. Um, so he would be one. I would probably go Ray Fox, my number two. Roger Penske, my number three, uh, Mike Stefanik, uh, four, and probably um, it's a toss-up between Shelmer Dean and Waddle Wilson. But those would that would be how I would orchestrate it because I'm seeing too many guys like Ricky Rudd, uh, Bobby Labonte, and you know Harry Gant, Buddy Baker, Davey Allison. They're all hovering around the same number of wins and the same type of success, with the exception of Labonte's championships. So, I would probably lean more that route and let everything else kind of sort itself out in the next year or two. All right, good insights. Now, Gray, I want to go with you because you're the uh, probably the most knowledgeable about NASCAR on here. And uh, what what are your thoughts on this of uh, the Hall of Fame and and who are the five that you uh that you would go with and why? Well, Jeff Gordon's definitely going to be a first ballot shoe-in, so basically we're looking at probably four beyond beyond him. NASCAR is always the, the, the group that or the body that's always uh, voted these people in has always given preference to former champions, of course, and that would, that would take in um, uh, Bobby Labonte, uh, being being one of those, and and, and the late Alan Kowicki. Um, however, I think you know when you look at you know Bobby Labonte's got two championships in, in, in two divisions, and NASCAR has like I said has well, the groups stuck to that. Uh, but you know, would I put him in this early? I, I don't know. Uh, I've long been a proponent of John Holman and and Ralph Moody getting in simply because of the sig- significance of, of the Holman Moody group or the Holman Moody brand back in the 60s. 
a lot of the technology and a lot of the things that we continue to do to this day in in modern stock car racing was developed in the Holman Moody by the Holman Moody stable and the Holman Moody garage many many years ago. A lot of the same concepts in the way we construct the cars and how and how they're built. It it it, it still still we still use those techniques and, and some of the platform is, is the same uh, that we did. And for those contributions to the sport, uh, you know. They have always uh, they they have always been one of the people uh, two of the people that I thought have, have, have should always be in. I like Roger Penske for his contributions as well, um, and then too you've got the Ray Fox and Jack Roush, and and we talked about Kirk Shelmerdine. When you compare Kirk Shelmerdine's uh, record to Ray Evernham's, uh, they're almost identical. Uh, Ray Evernham has forty seven wins. Kirk has forty six. Uh, when it comes to championships, Ray has three, Kirk has four. So, I mean, that's that's right down the line. They both worked with first ballot Hall of Famers, the late Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon. Um, you know, those two guys' careers mirror one another. Uh, they were almost, conti- well, not quite contemporaries. Kirk came along a little bit. He was in the height of his career uh, before as Ray was, was getting started. But... Uh, both had very similar careers, and I think uh, Kirk's very worthy. But I'd have to say, based on uh, based on that, uh, I would say Ralph Moody and um, and uh, John Holman for sure, Jeff Gordon, and then uh, my other other guys would be uh, probably uh, Ray Fox and uh, uh, Waddell Wentz Wilson. But again, everyone's very deserving. Uh, you just asked me to pick pick. Uh, Pick five, and there they are. There you go, yeah. Ray just picked 21 out of 20 there. <laughs> well, I discussed a lot of them. <laughs> he just said, you know what, Richard, don't be mean to Gray. He's our friend. <laughs> now, now, Richard, okay, since you had to speak up, uh, <laughs> oh, as an Englishman, as an Englishman right. who grew up Formula, watching Formula One racing, um, yep. I noticed Colin Chapman's not on the ballot, so... Uh, uh, no, who, who, who are the ones that you would pick? Kimi Raikkonen, because he ran NASCAR in the Truck Series, and I think he's got an Xfinity yeah. start. Yeah, Jacques, so that, Jacques, Jacques Villeneuve, yeah. Juan Pablo Montoya? Montoya? Yeah, I mean, he's probably <laughs> most successful. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it'd be interesting to see how they go. I, I think NASCAR, I, I don't know how much... Um, you know, they go on popularity or history. I mean, if they go on popularity and they're trying to attract current viewership, I mean, you, you're looking at guys like Joe Gibbs, Jeff Gordon, um, you know, you're probably going to throw Roger Penske in there, um, you know, guys that are, are sort of well-known to the modern fan, for want of a better word. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you for a second, Richard. It's, this is who you would put in, not who you think NASCAR is oh. going to put in. Sure, I mean, we, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not on the Hall of Fame ballot battle. <laughs> I mean, they're going to put in who they want to put in, and it's going to suffer from recency syndrome. You know what I mean? Where you see guys yeah. like Bobby Labonte get in, or, or you know, but, uh, but, but just looking at it and you know, knowing what you know, who would you put in? I mean, I would put those three in. I think because of the impact they've had on the sport. In again, you know, from and again, please understand, you know, my relatively recent um 
you know, conversion to, to, to NASCAR. Uh, definitely those guys had been there. I think for the, the, the long history in the sport, Jack Roush is going to be around there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably Alan Kulwicki as well. Yeah, and you, you made a good point. Uh, NASCAR is going to gonna get half, well, the, the body that votes these people in, is going to have to have some kind of universal, uh, uh, These the people that they put in is going to have to have a universal appeal because there again, they want people to come to the to the uh, Hall of Fame to, to, to see the people or see the artifacts and the things about the people they enshrine. And, uh, you know, there's, they're trying to get a new group of people and a, and a younger, uh, a broad spectrum of fans, let me say it that way, from, uh, from, from all the different uh, eras of the sport. So, yeah, yeah they, they're going to try to appeal to everybody. And I can understand that because, obviously, the, the Hall of Fame and the, and, the, and the NASCAR Hall of Fame is a money-making For sure. uh, thing, and they've got to keep it going. And, it, of course, it's got to have the, the fan interest to, to continue. So, yeah, they, they, will, they will do a broad spectrum of, uh, of uh, inductees this time. And I think that's good. I mean, we can always debate who, who should go in and who should die because everybody on this list is obviously worthy. It's just, you know, when will their time come to go in? Absolutely. Now, Seth, Seth, you're next up to the microphone. Now, before we start all this, I had five picked out, but listening to Gray, listening to Joey, I've actually changed two of my picks. Oh, thanks. You don't listen to me. That's fine. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's because you're English. <laughs> Just well, Jeff Gordon, again, there's no way he's not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I will say this, there has not been any Hall of Famer in the NASCAR Hall of Fame that has gotten 100% of the vote. And, and it never, probably never will be. It, I think Gordon might come closest to it, though. Yeah, he may. He, may, he very well may. You had the same thing, you, you know, with the baseball and football Hall of Fames. You think the, when these guys come up, you think, well, this guy's going to be a lock. You know, and there's always one or two people that don't put him on his ballot simply because they think and they hold this hold this thing that nobody should be unanimous I, for whatever reason they do it. But yeah, that's kind of stupid. But yeah, I agree with you. So that that's true. That not even Richard Petty or Dale Earnhardt got a hundred percent of the vote. Um, neither of them got a hundred percent of the vote. I want to say Richard Petty got ninety seven percent. And Dale Earnhardt Sr. got 95%, I want to say. Yikes. Okay. And, and sing it. The more you know. And uh, I'm also going to put Alan Kowicki in it, in my opinion. Uh, again, he's a champion. Granted, there is a little bit of a what-could-have-been syndrome there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm good. I would say Mike Stefanik, because he is one of the only... Uh, drivers in NASCAR history to win nine NASCAR championships as a driver. Granted, they were all touring series championships, the Bush North, the Modifieds, but no other driver other than, I want to say, Richie Evans has ever reached that mark. Yeah, but you know, he's very he's very deserving because it's it's not the it's not the Sprint Cup Hall of Fame, it's the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and that's all encompassing. And that's the same thing, you know, there's Jack Ingram very deserving. Jerry Cook, very deserving. Richie Evans, all these guys very 
very deserving and should should be recognized in the Hall of Fame. And I agree with you, you and Joey, on that. Mike Stefanik is is another one. And you know, and and we uh, some one person missing from that list that I that I think should be in, and hopefully we'll we'll get nominated one day. Is the is the late great Sam Ard. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. Agreed. Now I still have two more to go with. Uh, Kirk Shelmerdine again with his career essentially mirroring, or I should say Ray Everham's mirroring Kirk Shelmerdine's. With Ray going in last year, it's hard not to see Shelmerdine going in either this year or sometime soon. Mm -hmm. And my fifth one, not because of what he did on the track, but also what he did off the track, Buddy Baker. Between his race wins, uh, broadcasting on TV, and his broadcast on MRN, he brought a lot to the sport. Another good one. Another good pick. Solid. Yep. Yep. Solid pick there. So, so I guess it's down to me. And um, I'll tell you what. As I look at this thing, just personally, I, I, I love Holman and Moody and what they've done to sport. So you can't have one without the other. You can't induct. You know, Holman without Moody or Moody without Holman. So those those two guys have to go in together. So that's that's two picks right there. Um, Alan Kowicki, I, I know like uh, Seth, Joey, Richard, you three guys are probably too young to remember that uh, 92 season. And uh, this is before we had a chase, you know, before we had all the gimmicks. Uh, that was one of the best championship finales, the Hooters 500 at Atlanta. Uh, Alan Kowicki came out on top. Now, obviously, yeah, I've got the Polish connection. Us Polish guys like to stick together. So, <laughs> somebody said the Wood Brothers didn't go together. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Kowicki just for, he was one of the last, uh, uh, you know, privateer team owners who, who just did it his own way and won the championship. And like Seth, like you said, there's that, uh, you know, what could have been. All right, so that that takes me to three. Um, I think four. Roger Penske deserves to be in every racing Hall of Fame that there is, just for his contributions to the sport in general. He's uh, he's raised the game of everybody who's competed against him. Uh, Roger Penske deserves that. Um, Harry Gant, I just love that dude, man. You know, I remember his, uh, and Gray, you'll remember it. Uh, oh, yeah. The mi- middle 90s where he was, uh, what, Mr. November or Mr. October? or Mr. 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 September. Mr. Sep- September. Yeah, I know it was in the fall. He, he won those four in a row, and then he, he crashed at Martinsville, and he said, well, his streak's over now, and then he'd come back to win that thing, and the thing, uh, you know, tape on him. You know, a handsome Harry, uh, that that dude deserves a shot in there. And, and then... The last one for me is going to be Kirk Schumerding because Kirk Schumerding and Dale Earnhardt um, really helped bring together, bring NASCAR up from a, a regional series to a national empire. If it weren't for uh, the you know that team, along with other folks as well, um, you know, and and that should be recognized. So. Uh, that's where I'm at with that. So, any final comments on Hall of Fame stuff before we move on to talking about the IndyCar season opener at St. Pete? Again, again, all these all these nominees are very deserving. Uh, they've all had had uh, you can make a case for every one of them, and all of them have contributed to to the sport of stock car racing greatly. And uh, I think 
you know, they're all good nominees, and I think it's going to be a tough task for the uh, for the committee that uh, that comes up with the five out of this. And and then obviously going forward, some of these people will remain on the ballot, and and their time will come. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know we talk about the NASCAR Hall of Fame all the time, and when you compare it to all the other major sports Hall of Fames, you know NASCAR's deal kind of came late to the party. So there's a lot of catching up to do, and there will be for some time. But so but but again, uh, good solid uh, crop of nominees this time, and 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 and. Hopefully, congratulations to, to whoever gets uh, gets nominated when they do it in May. Absolutely, yeah. So, so now, Joey, uh, you've been down in, um, where were you last week? Homestead, watching the uh, Monster Road Indy Series? Yep. Test, yep. So, uh, <laughs> Richard, you're funny. Richard's asking me when's Danica on the list. Uh, never. So, but uh, hey, it's called it's called the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Records. Oh, oh, oh. So, oh God, you got me off topic, Richard. Thanks for nothing. Sorry. So, but let's Sorry. talk about the Verizon IndyCar Series. Um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna go racing. You know, we've got the the longest off season of any racing series. New car this year. Um, a lot of lot of driver movement, a lot of uh, new teams in the series, new liveries, um, exciting stuff. Joey, you saw testing down in uh, in um, where were you? Sebring. I didn't go to Sebring. I was just at Homestead for MRTI, and then took the red eye back home. No, but, Phoenix. Yeah. You were you you were in Phoenix. You were in Phoenix yeah. to see the um, the IndyCars test. You were down in uh, Homestead to watch the. Uh, the MRTI, MRTI test, guy. yeah. So, uh, what's the uh, I mean, what's the general f- mood and the general feeling um, among the competitors and the drivers? Because I know the the fans are really excited uh, to see this. I mean, this new car, folks have fallen in love with it at first glance. But uh, how do you think it's going to perform on the track when we see them next Sunday or this coming Sunday, rather? I think it's going to perform excellent. I mean, obviously, there's always going to be teething issues when you bring something new out, and we've never been in a race situation with this new Universal Aero Kit. But there is a very unique buzz that I have never felt. Uh, I mean, I wasn't here for the card era or whenever the reunification was 10 years ago. But, uh, you know, this is my fourth year, and there's a unique buzz that I've never felt before. And it... Everybody I talk to feels the same way, and there's an extra pep in everybody's step. They know that they've got something. The momentum can really start to build in in bigger steps than it has the last few years. So there's a lot of optimism for this season from everybody, up and down the paddock, cruise teams, the organizations, IndyCar itself, um, you know, other media. So there's, there's a lot to like. Um, I think when we get a chance to see this car on track, I mean, it's going to really mean that the talent goes to the front, uh, where the former aero kit was more about bracing yourselves and not knowing if that thing was going to hold on in the corner from what several drivers explained, uh, because there was so much downforce on it. This brings back that technical skill of driving that brought together some of the, some of the greats from back in the day. So I think we're going to see more of that. That's not to say the guys that succeeded in the previous Arrow Kid era weren't talented. I think this is just going to tighten the landscape of talent even more so uh, because you're going to pay for your errors. 
um, you're also going to be rewarded for for a lack of them. So um, I'm excited to get this thing going in St. Pete. Uh, I think that guys that are going to – there's going to be some surprises. Um, I know you're wanting me to probably preview a little bit of the St. Pete thing. So if I'm, if I'm looking at St. Pete and going in optimistically, I think the guys that typically run well there, like Ryan Hunter-Ray, like uh, Will Power, are going to do well. I mean, Hunter Ray's got four podiums, but never won, and you know that's that's where he calls home. So I know talking to him two weeks ago, he wants to win there bad. Um, Will Power obviously is really quick there. Ellie Hokeshineves goes from being in the cockpit to he's flying, he's waving the green flag there for the race as the Grand Marshal. So that's unique. But um, the the guy that I'm looking at, who I think is going to do some good things. I mean, obviously Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan have a lot of momentum from from the phoenix test but i'm looking at a guy like spencer piggott who's got a career best finish of eighth but this car he's tested the most out of any driver in it since we started manufacturer testing combine that with two partial seasons this is his first full-time season there so he gets to run road streets and ovals and you know he ran great at long beach last year uh should have gotten a top five made a late error ended up finishing eighth so i think that's somebody that I'm looking at on a street course who could probably go in there and get a new standard for his top for a, for a career best. I don't, I'm not going to predict a win for him, but I'll, I think a strong run and potential top fives definitely in the cards. And then um, I'm curious to see what guys like Renee Bender do and Yunkos and what Carlin can do in their first race with Max Chilton and Charlie Kimball and how prepared they can be uh, because those are some of the new teams to the fold. Harding Racing is fully committed for this year. Uh, in addition to that, Seeing guys like Andretti Autosport and can Marco back up Marco Andretti back up where he started to showcase through off season testing because he's very confident with this type of driving style. He can actually he says he can feel the car. So um he looks really optimistic and really strong and, and the Andretti Autosport group as a whole is really tightened up. So it's going to play to guys' hands like that. It's going to play to guys who have graduated from Indy Lights and driven the IL-15 and progressed into this. So guys like Veach, Zach Veach, Kyle Kaiser, so forth, are going to be pretty strong uh, this season and uh, probably pretty strong in St. Pete right off the bat. Yeah, so now that you mentioned Zach Veach, Zach made a comment that his he wishes a full-time debut would have been a, a few years earlier, but now he realizes maybe it's coming at just the right time because – this particular car suits his driving style and suits his experience um, better than jumping into the old arrow kit era of the DW12. So now with that in mind, looking at the rookie class, because we've got a huge rookie class for this year. I believe we've got nine total rookies and I believe four of them, four of them are running the full season. Um, I mean, what what do you make of that? Is this, is this going to be like, uh, you know, one of the best. Uh, we're going to see a couple of rookie winners this year. Or what? Oh, uh, that's going to be tough to gauge. Tough I, to I gauge, think... yeah. But you think that the car suits these guys better than previous years of guys jumping up? I'll say this: this series is the most competitive racing series in the world. Period. And we've seen somebody like Bourdais go from dead last last year and work his way through cautions and management and just drivability and racecraft to win in St. Pete, right out the gate with Dale Coyne Racing, a very underdog, underfunded team in comparison to the Roger Penske teams. Um, so it's a strong possibility that one of those guys can upset the apple cart, especially 
given the background. Um, because I feel like guys like Charlie Kimball and Max Chilton, well, more so Charlie Kimball, um, and even uh, Simon Pagino are going to have to kind of unlearn everything that they learned with the old car, where guys like Piggott, this kind of just resets things back to the way that they're familiar with. So I think a guy like Veach is probably my favorite for rookie of the year, looking at the outside, looking in, uh, just because the team he's on, he did have a little bit of experience. And somebody like uh, Robert Wickens, who's incredibly talented, has a background in DTM, um, you know, he's having to learn an entirely new product that he's never been in before um, or been in in a long time. So seeing all those things put being put together, I, I would probably go Veach. I'm forgetting who the other two guys are that are full-time this year, but I know Bender's partial, Jordan King's partial, uh, Kaiser's partial. So there's a, there's a flux of rookies that are on a partial campaign trying to push for a full campaign. But, I mean – all these flood of rookie drivers, the talent level, the additions of, of new teams, three teams. We got another one with Tom Burns Racing today uh, announcing a partnership. And um, since we air on Thursday, on Tuesday, announced a partnership um, with Dale Coyne to, to put Connor Daly in the car for the hundredth or for the hundred and second running this year uh, for the five hundred. So there's a lot of stability, and there's a lot of things growing here, and. Um, anybody can win in the series. It's so damn close. Joey, one of the things that I always judge at the health of a series with is, is car count. And it sounds to me like we're probably going to have a very healthy car count this year for, for, for the series. Basically it's been around what 22 cars started most races other than the Indy 500 last year. Will we see a, see that probably bump up to 24 or 25 in most races this year? Uh, I think the entry list says 24 cars for St. Mm-hmm. Pete. Um, yep, that, that is correct, I, 24 cars for so St. Pete. And, and, th- and that's uh, three or four cars from what from what it has been over the last couple of years, and that, that's encouraging to me. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see that become the norm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if we eventually end up on the 26 to 28 number and that's terrific. I think that's like you said. That's that's how I judge the health, the overall health of a series is is in car count, and uh, that's and, that that looks very good. And I think the kicker here to remember about why we can pull off that many cars and it be healthy for the sport in some respects is with the potential for a new TV deal on the horizon, with the potential of a title sponsor on the horizon to help grow the sport in a different way. That helps that the marketing side of it, but what helps the racing side of it is the fact that this universal kit plays to the strengths of every team up and down the grid, and the little team can win. This isn't mm-hmm. so so construed by aero development or you know massaging out pieces. Uh, the damper program is certainly a very pivotal part, but there's so many things that you can start doing. Teams can manufacture themselves now, even though certain things are limited. That you know, we see, you know, for instance, Chip Ganassi Racing closes down two teams, and all of a sudden, here comes Carlin. Here comes two more teams. So, it, some of those, some of the people from from Chip Ganassi Racing have been spread all over the IndyCar series now. Um, Carlin has progressed his a lot of his Indy Lights guys. He said something around eighty percent of his guys have been jumped bumped up to IndyCar, and um, you know, and when you look at that. Uh, everything compares good. The engineering side, but also from an Indy Light standpoint, it's not just for drivers anymore. Engineers 
can translate some things and move some things from indie lights and move it up to the indie car program obviously it's a little bit more technically confusing and some well for guys like me technically confusing but um it, it's more intricate but the fact of the matter is is we can now see the monster road indie really start to work now that we've got new chassis all across the board with usf 17 and usf 2000 and the pm18 and pro mazda the IO15 and Indy Lights, and now this new universal kit um, that's being put on these Indy cars. Now, Joey, um, let's talk real quick about car count. Okay, so we're Indy 500. We're already up to 34 confirmed, right? Yeah. Con- Connor Daly is 35 now, right? So, and then they're talking. There's talk of another Foyt car. Foyt car, perhaps. Maybe he's 34. Uh, you know. Uh, Buddy Lazier will be 35. There's talk of another, you know, Foyt car. There's talk of a uh, another Rahal car with the Oriole Servia. But but now there's this little low-grade quality rumor floating around that maybe the Indy 500 won't bump. They, they won't do a bump, and they'll let everybody that enters um, go ahead and run, run the race. Maybe they'll start 35 cars. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I can tell you my thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. Um, interesting question for me. I am a fan of tradition. I think the rules that are in place are perfect for the sport. Um, we, when I look at look at racing in general, it's not meant to be all inclusive. There's meant to be some sort of cutoff, and uh, you know because this is supposed to be about the best of the best, the best prepared, the best drivers, the best team, the best owners. And, you know, sometimes if you don't do all your homework to put together that effort or you make a late run to put that effort, uh, then, you know, you get penalized for it. And that's how it should be. Uh, those things should should be penalized just as, you know, making sure that everybody does their homework should be rewarded. So, um, in turn, because this universal kit does present unique challenges to everybody across the grid and because it also kind of levels the playing field off, it also allows those those guys that may run the one-off and be a late announcement to come in and maybe, you know, stir the pot some. You know, I mean, we saw Harding Racing make their debut at Indy last year, and they go off and finish top ten. It was remarkable. It was a phenomenal story for them. So I I think we're still going to see about 35 cars, 36 tops on Monday. I predicted 35 back in, like, October, November. Um, I thought I thought we would have a natural bump day. And, I mean, let's be honest, that's part of the allure of the Indy 500 when you go through the history books is who's going to make the show and who's not. Yep, that's going to so, be great. Um, yeah, but but, but but at the same time, you've got new guys want to get into the series, you know, putting a pretty good investment, lighting up a sponsor for the Indy 500. Hey, I mean, do you, do, do you want to go ahead and send them home or, or not? Yeah, that's I mean, I'm just I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. I'm just playing devil's advocate from some of the, like I said, again, low-grade quality rumor coming out of that knucklehead on the West Coast that uh, likes to stir crap up. But you, but, um, I'll, I'll devil's advocate you on that. But, you if know, you go invest, back. If, you if go their investment's the good enough. Go ahead. If their investment is good enough, their car should be fast enough. That's what you're going to say. Pretty much. There yeah. you go. There you go. So we'll see. I mean, I you know what? In the Indy 500, we started 35 cars in 
1979. We started 35 cars in 1997. Both for um, ridiculous reasons with uh, rules that people didn't understand. Uh, but uh, should we start 35 cars just to welcome uh, new blood into the series? I don't know. You know, the jury's out. We'll have to see how that plays out. So, but How do um, you feel about it? Personally... It would not hurt my feelings if there were two extra cars on the grid. You know, I, I tell you, I like the you know eleven rows of three, thirty three with a bump day because you go back to all those races back in back in the past when bump day was something special. And in 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 some cases, it was it was almost like a changing of the guard. You'd have an older veteran who'd been around the brickyard for many many years and the latter part of his career. You know, he's he, he's struggling to make the show, and uh, and he didn't and he didn't get in. I remember the year that that Al Unser Jr. got got knocked out on Bump Day. I mean, and, you know, and and his teammate Emerson Fittipaldi. Right. Both you know, of, and, both and, those guys didn't make the field. Right. And you think about the drama that that. And obviously, you know, we look. You know, I live in a NASCAR world. Well, God forbid anything like that happening because that would take away the draw, and they think that you know. People wouldn't come, you know, if Dale Jr. or something was in the race. But that just added that extra element to it that that made, you know, the Indy 500 special. 33 field, you know, you start 33, the 11 rows of three, and, and you know, you had to you had to earn your way into the show. I think that's, you know, that's part of, part yeah, of the deal. And I remember if, watching the last-minute deals because it used to be you qualify the car, not the driver, right? So if you're if you're – car was knocked out, you had to go buy another car from somebody else, and there was these last-minute deals made in the pits, right? To go, oh, and let, yeah. let, let me buy you. I mean, yeah, you remember Bobby Rahal trying to qualify in a Penske car and, yeah. and didn't make the field when he aligned with Honda back and then. Two years later, uh, you know, Rahal returned a favorite and and, and sold uh, chassis to Penske, and they didn't make the field in 95. But, but you're talking, those were years when they were Probably you know, 39, 40 cars, and a lot of guys that just didn't even get close to the bubble. But now you're talking two extra cars, right? And just to bump out two guys who, who come there, you know what I mean? Times change. Hey, we, you know we, I mean? could, we could have three or four cars, you know, this time. Wait, wait, could, could so, be, so could, really, it's going to be, could I mean, be three or four, yeah. But, uh, some intrigue going into bump day, and that's what you want. You yeah, I, don't that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted because I love the drama of Bump Day. Uh, back in the day when there were 40 cars and you got six guys below the line and one guy on the bubble. Now you're talking two extra cars. I, I, this day and age, me, I'm like, put, put them all on the field, let them race. But I, I'm probably going to get you know, beat up by any traditionalist for saying that. But uh, this day and age when we have to uh, go reach out and the Speedway have to send, some, send a check to Buddy Lazier to bring a car out uh, just to get 33 in the field, the fact that we've got 35 that want to be in the field on their own accord, let them race. But that's just me. Joey, you are next. Here's what I'll say about it is, A, I am a traditionalist in that respect, and I don't agree with, including the extra two cars necessarily. I know it would somewhat put more eyes and health of the sport, but you also take away that drama element. The duels at Daytona were the most boring thing 
that I have ever seen at Daytona in the 20-plus years that I've been watching that Speed Weeks. It was ridiculous. So I, I don't want to see things like that. Now that we finally have an element to bring drama into qualifying, we should make sure that we continue with the tradition. We shouldn't be all-inclusive because we need to make sure that those are the things that heighten up to why people watch. Those are why, I mean, here's the other thing to it, is if you're you're one of those guys, if you're somebody within IndyCar also, and if you're one of the teams that maybe gets bumped, you know, let's make a more concentrated effort on focusing beyond just the Indy 500 for teams. You know, let's find ways to shore it up to where they can show up to Texas or, or other ovals if, if they're an oval program like what Harding did last year. There's way to make there's ways to make it work to where those teams can help build. I understand that the dream of running it is is what everybody wants to do, but sometimes the dream doesn't happen on the first try. The dream yeah. happens on like the fifteenth. So there's there's gotta be places in you know, I remember talking to Mark Miles three years ago and one of the things he said was we want to make sure that even though we continue to showcase the Indy 500 for everything that it is, because it is the greatest spectacle in racing, that we also do the due diligence to show off what else we have to offer, because we have a variety of racetracks that are exceptional, that showcase elite talent, and they deserve to be seen in a very you know, positive light as well. So this, I think that we need to also look at seeing these guys, like, let's let's find a way to entice the guys that get bumped to, you know, work on their team at another avenue of the schedule. So that way that sponsor that got bumped can still be showcased. Right, he can, come to, he can come to the next race. Yeah, you know. because we got 24 at, at St. Pete. You're going to tell me that we can't show up with uh, the same number at a Texas or, you know, right. maybe even a 26. So um, especially with this kind of car that – you know, I'm sure we're going to be hearing about tire developments and things that help make it to where tires can be managed by the drivers for short runs, long runs, and things to be put more in the drivers' hands. Can you know continuously throughout the season? So we're going to run into a situation where this is going to be more in the drivers' hands during the year at places like Texas, at places like uh, like Pocono and things like that. Gateway. So um, obviously, Gateway is a small track to put twenty some odd cars on. But I mean, well, gosh, I mean, you, you know, they ran twenty-eight at Richmond back in 08. Yeah, and they start you know forty. I mean? They start forty big old stock cars on the on those tracks. So yeah, they they put forty cars in Martinsville. Yeah, so yeah, 24, 24 Indy cars. And another thing too, you know, the Indy five hundred is the largest field of the year. So you you're gonna have you know if you go back years past, there's eleven more cars in the average field. So yeah, you know, but you're right, Joey. It still gives them with the series. If you want to show health and growth, those same people that if they don't make the Indy 500, yeah, come back and go to Texas, go to you know, go to some of these other races and and get in. Same way in same way in NASCAR. And you're right. You made the point about the the the, the twin 150s. You know, this year there was no drama in it. The field was set. The 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 forty I mean, team, the forty teams that showed up were already locked in the field. And I remember going to Daytona when there was fifty or sixty cars trying to make forty three spots. And every position of you know every position in that twin one twenty five or one fifty made a difference. And guys I mean, were fighting tooth and nail back in the pack and everywhere else. 
I'm honestly kind of shocked when I when I think back to the duels that those drivers didn't just say, you know what, we're racing at night, which is a totally different track than what we're going to get during the 500 anyway. There's only 40 of us. We're not going to get bumped out. I'm just going to park this thing in the garage and keep keep yeah. my baby safe because let's be honest, it's Daytona and you can go from 39th to first and you know five yeah. ten laps. So yeah, um, I'm actually shocked that didn't happen more. Well, I, 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 I'm shocked. I'm sh- I'm shocked at how many cars they wrecked in the duels. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that was surprising to me because I predicted just a processional kind of an event where you know we're locked in. We're not gonna we're not gonna take a chance in damaging our primary. And I, lo and behold, they got up there and tried up front, tried to mix it up and and tore some cars up. So I was I was somewhat surprised in that. Here's here's my final thought on this IndyCar thing because I know we got another segment to do is. No, regardless of what they decide to do, if the whispers that you're hearing end up becoming reality or if it stays traditional or whatever, the, whatever goes on, I think it's it speaks volumes to what the team at IndyCar have been able to do. Uh, Mark Miles, Jay Fry, you know, and all the, the people they have in place, the, the, even the people that have helped grow the sport to this point that maybe aren't necessarily with IndyCar management as a whole, but maybe somewhere else, we have to really take a look and be appreciative to all the work that they've put in because they're the ones that have helped grow this to where it is right now, which is as healthy as it's been since the reunification in um, 2008. So I I think that that's certainly in order, and I think um, if there's other racing series around the world that can certainly take notes from what IndyCar's been able to do. All right, guys, so... We are up against the clock. Only a few minutes left, so uh, we've got to uh, do our picks, and we got two picks. Everyone this week, you got to get a pick for the NASCAR race and a pick for the IndyCar race, and then next week you get a pick for the Formula One race because they're they're not starting till or week after next, the twenty fifth. So um, Formula One did finish up their testing in the snow, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and all that, but uh, I'm going to go for picks. I'm going to start with you, Richard. You got one NASCAR, uh, one IndyCar. Got to go for three in a row, Kevin Harvick, and Ryan Hunter Ray for the IndyCar race. Okay, Seth, you got the next pick. Uh, for NASCAR, I'm going to go with Alex Bowman. For IndyCar, I'm going to go with Joseph Newgarden. Alex Bowman, that's a bold pick. Good for you. Gray, who do you like? He's a golden name. Well, tell you what, you you were thinking right along the same lines I was, Richard, but I'm going to, I guess I'm going to go with Dixon for IndyCar and uh, out, out at, uh, at, you got, uh, let's see, who do I want? I'm going to say Keselowski uh, gets the win at, um, at Phoenix. At Phoenix? Okay. All right, Joey? Oh, man. Uh, well, Seth and Gray just took the two picks I was looking at. That's, what, that's what I hate about Seth and Gray. They always take the good picks first. Damn. Um, you know, I actually think that, uh, let's see, I'll go Blaney. on. I think Ford will just keep on keeping on. So I'm going to go Blaney on that, uh, on the NASCAR side. And then I'm going to go Will Power on uh, IndyCar side. All right, good picks. Good picks for sure. I'm going to go Graham Rahal for the IndyCar race. 
Um, and the right hall team has shown so much speed in testing. And, uh, you know, Grant's pretty good on these road courses. Grant won his first race at uh, St. Pete. Uh, NASCAR, Phoenix, uh, I'd love to go with Harvick. You guys picked him. So I'm going to go Kyle Busch right there. And um, and that'll be the end of our show, guys. I want to uh, want to thank everybody that listens to the show. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio. I want to thank iTunes for carrying us. I want to thank you, Gray, Seth, Richard, Joey. Great show tonight. And to you folks that listen, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.